The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Nothing gets the juices going quite like a reverse chronological lightning round Monday. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. A new week begins. I am your host, Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. If you'd like to come find me, I would be most appreciative. And this is, of course, a hoop ball, hoop-ball.com and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee presentation. You can find them on the internet at hawaiianisles.com, H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter, or by searching for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon.com. It was a fun weekend. It really was. A lot of good stuff going down. A lot of things to break down, analyze. Uh, massive injury taking place. That always shifts things somewhat. We'll be assessing all of that as we make our way through the card. And then, of course, we'll get you prepped for the week coming up here. We got uh, a few teams dealing with some low scheduling points. Uh, we've got the Monday card. There is, as always, plenty to go over this week. I'm also excited that we're going to be getting some more hoopball pros on the podcast. I'm not going to be talking to myself quite as often. You guys, the response to Brandon Day has been overwhelmingly positive. Brandon Marcus, of course, joining us generally on Wednesdays to go over buy lows and sell highs. Uh, hoping that we'll be able to talk to the captain, Kurt. He uh, He's on two of our box score breakdown shows. Uh, and the great Josh Millman, who's been with hoopball for a couple of years now, uh, one of the well-established voices of hoopball who has face palms. He's got rock, paper, scissors. We'll be breaking down some of that stuff. Uh, and I think that should all be coming later on this week. So that should be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll have Coach on this week as well, provided the uh, timing lines up. And then I, I, I won't have to just lecture for so long. <laughs> Running out of gas, man, just talking to myself. It becomes This podcast becomes too much of a box score breakdown version 2.0. And I say 2.0 not because we came after that one, certainly this show was first, but because if you like the box score breakdown, which is one of our shows here at Hoopball, that airs the night the games end. So the Sunday games, you'll have a box score breakdown that comes out Sunday night before you go to bed. You don't need to wait until the next morning. So it's nice to, to get into the strategy a little bit more. That's what we'll be talking about with the captain as well. Um, and everybody's got some things that they're just good at instinctively. You know, I think I'm pretty damn good at building a nice firm base. I think I'm really good at understanding when the patience runs out. I think I'm good with trade ROI stuff. Brandon, obviously very good at finding the buy lows, the sell highs, the the outliers. Pedro actually did a nice job of that as well. Pedro Doreste, who came on, uh, one of our editors here. So anyway, we'll talk to more Hoopball pros this week. That'll be a lot of fun. And if you'd like to be part of our Hoopball Mix, hit me up, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. We're looking for writers. We're looking for podcasters. We're looking for salespeople. The contributor push remains on in perpetuity. The best of the best of the best of the best. That's who we want. And if you want to be that person, hit me up, at Dan Bespris, or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Let's start by going through Sunday. If you don't know the reverse chronological lightning round, I think you'll pick it up as we work our way through. It's pretty uh, self-evident. We start on Sunday, and we go backwards. Easy. And thusly, by the end of the podcast, we'll have covered every team's most recent basketball games. You'll be completely up to date on a full weekend reset and get you situated for the week coming up. 
Denver-Brooklyn was the early game on Sunday. There is something oddly satisfying about seeing a team playing at half speed and getting punished for it. For a while, the Nuggets weren't. And it's not that I'm anti-Nugget. I actually really like Nikola Jokic. Um, I have a soft spot for Paul Millsap. He was, you know, fantasy delicioso for so many years. I like Will Barton. I have no problem with Gary Harris, although he's been a pain in the butt fantasy-wise this year. The only player on the Nuggets I don't really like very much is Jamal Murray. Um, but they were coasting. That team was on cruise control. And now they've lost a couple of their last three, I think two of their last three, Lakers and now the Nets. And they're just sort of getting... They're getting beat from bad offense. Their offense hasn't been good. But anyway, that's sort of beside the point. They've fallen from second place to fifth in the West, and now officially the top two are the two LA teams in the Western Conference as of this morning. Uh, Nikola Jokic a little bit more aggressive over the last two games, which is good. He had 24-11-6 in this one. No defensive stats, and, you know, the other stuff was fine. It was, it was a good ball game by all accounts. Jamal Murray was fine. Jeremy Grant was actually pretty good off the bench. Millsap's been fading a bit after a uh, very quick start to the year. He's, he's tailed off just a tad, but he's still overall doing fine. He's number 70, I think, on the season now, so that's no real problem. Fantasy-wise, everything kind of remains the same for this team. Gary Harris is playing minutes and doing nothing with them, and then everybody else is okay. They just they got to get Jokic in the right spot. His, his, his game is all out of whack. If it's one thing, it's he hasn't really had that game where he's done all the stuff. Like, he took more shots in this one, so then the other things suffered a little bit. Over on the Brooklyn side, I think you've got a few sell-high opportunities coming up here. Kyrie Irving is expected to uh, resume practice in the next week to week and a half or so. When he makes his eventual return, which will happen at some point down the line, it's going to be just a big-time pecking order thing. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to get knocked way down because if he's not the lead dog on offense... It's hard for him to pile up those assists. That's the number that really floats him. So he's going to get knocked down. Garrett Temple's going to get knocked down. As Garrett Levert, if that ever happens, that'll knock everybody down a peg. So, And this includes guys like Torian Prince, who we were very high on here at Hoopball, who have been obviously playing better also with Kyrie Irving out. You know, his percentages have been a bit of a drag this year. There's, there's no way around that, but his other stuff's been very good. The, all of the things will take a hit because if the other stuff isn't as good and the percentages become a much larger drag, right? You got to balance them out somehow. So he's probably a little bit of a sell guy. Dinwiddie is definitely a sell guy. Garrett Temple is a stream. You're not going to get anything for him. Joe Harris is probably a little bit of a sell guy, even though you know he's the guy that could kind of stay the course because all he needs are a few open looks and his efficiency might even be better. I'll tell you though, from a chemistry standpoint, they really are playing well together. But from a depth standpoint, they're a disaster right now. The bench was, was horrid in this game. Every time the starters would push out to like a six or seven point lead, the bench would come in. And we're talking about uh, Donan Musa and Theo Pinson, Iman Shumpert, David Nawaba. These guys can't score. And that's not a knock on those dudes. They shouldn't be asked to score at all. The bench's job for Brooklyn right now is just Keep everybody from scoring. Just make go 0-0 for like four minutes, and then you can start to get a few starters back in, rotating through. Jared Allen played uh, the lion's share of the center minutes in this game. I'm sure that'll swing back and forth a little bit because DeAndre Jordan actually played more in the last ball game. Matchup, 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 whatever it was. As it turned out, they liked the way that Allen was able to cover guys on the Nuggets, not named Nikola Jokic. So they just sort of took the hit there on, on Nico. Uh... 
and let Allen chase the other guys around. Atlanta got a much-needed win over the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know what any of this means to anyone. Uh, Charlotte's 9-16. The Hawks are 6-17. It's just clunky all the way around, but Trey Young played well. Um, he got popped in the face at the end of the ballgame, but I'm sure he'll be okay. Kevin Herter had his minutes cap raised from 15 to 25. I want to circle back to him in a second here. There's a few things to discuss uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. That th- This is a team that requires our attention in some capacity. Uh, for one, we're just a couple weeks away from John Collins being back. So that's key point numero uno with this team, is that it's just not that far away. So you have to start to kind of adjust your expectations for everybody on the ball club. Okay, well, what does that actually mean? What, what are we supposed to do with that information? Okay, you look kind of at everything, from the top all the way down to the bottom. I believe John Collins, what's the exact number for him right now? I'm sure we can pull that up while we're doing the broadcast. He is, what, six, seven games away? Is that where we're at right now? I, I lost the exact number. That's bad form for me on the podcast. But you guys can look it up. It's not that far away from now. That's the key point here. Uh, point number one on that front. You can just take all of the other non-name brand front court guys and wipe them out. DeAndre Hunter, as a forward, his job is going to be basically kaput. Alex Len, Damian Jones up at the center position. Those guys are going to be completely wiped out from whatever little progress they were starting to make. It pushes all of these guys out to the periphery. DeAndre Bembry also, who only played seven and a half minutes in this ballgame anyway, so you probably weren't thinking too hard about him regardless. What about the more name brand guys? And when I say that, I mean Trey Young, who should take a little bit of a usage hit, but I mean, he'll be sort of this the same guy that he has been for the last little bit, just with the, a couple fewer shots in the ballgame. And by the way, that's a that's a ding on him because he doesn't get much in the way of steals. He doesn't get much in the way of, uh, I mean, he certainly doesn't block any shots. His turnovers, perhaps those will come down a tiny bit. That's something we can hope for, although I wouldn't really bank on it. As much love as some of these guys were getting, there are issues. And so Trey's had a really nice season, and he's inside the top 20. Um, but if there's a usage knock here... That would be a big deal because he needs to be taking a boatload of shots. He's shooting 46.5%. That's, that's one of the big reasons that he's been able to get as high as he has been. I have thoughts on other guys that are in that neck of the woods. Anyway, you're not doing anything with Trey Young. It's not like you're going to sell him because your team is probably built around the stats he's bringing. So whatever. Wipe him off to the side. Doesn't matter. He's right around his ADP. Jabari Parker and Kevin Herter are the two names that I want to talk about on this team. Let's start with Jabari Parker, who had 19-7, a steal, two blocks, and a couple of three-pointers in this game. I mean, he has been really outstanding since Collins went down. He's number 62 on the season. This is after a couple of games before John Collins was suspended, where he was outside the top 100. Over the last month, Jabari Parker's number 42, shooting 48% from the field, low volume, 71% at the free-throw line, so it's not killing you too much. 16.7 rebounds, two assists, two steals, half a block, and a three-pointer per game. I did not think that two steals was actually going to keep up this whole month, and it has somehow. He's getting defensive stats in the face of all of the evidence. But he's also playing 30 minutes a ball game, which seems unlikely to continue. 
But where does the where does it actually go? This is the game we have to play here. This is the handicapping game. Jabari Park has been playing almost 30 minutes a game since John Collins was suspended. He was definitely not getting anywhere near that mark prior to the suspension. However, the situation seems to have changed a little bit. You know, he was playing like 22 to 25 minutes a game before the suspension. And that wasn't really enough for fantasy value. He was scoring, but he wasn't doing anything else. He wasn't rebounding. He wasn't getting any defensive stats. That stuff all changed. I'm willing to float the idea that perhaps he's played his way into a few extra minutes on a team that needs a little bit of veteran leadership and certainly needs someone else that can score a little when Trey Young is not the lead dog. And John Collins can be that guy, but I I would actually go so far as to say Jabari Parker is better at creating his own shot than John Collins is at, at this respective points in their careers. And as old as it seems like Parker is, he actually hasn't been around for that long. He's still a relatively young guy. So if you're like, well, they want to play the young guys. Yeah, but they did go get him. They did go get this guy. So I think, I think a lot of John Collins' minutes are going to come from Vince Carter, who played 20 minutes in this game, Alex Len, who played 19, Damian Jones, who played 21. I think you'll see John Collins play probably half or more of his minutes at the center position. I know we've actually heard rumors that he's going to see more center position. That now means that all of these minutes we thought were just going to get sucked up by Collins away from Parker might actually not move that much. This team may, through suspension, through just a war of attrition, have decided that they don't really want to run Alex Len and Damian Jones out at the center spot because these guys suck. Well, Damian Jones actually isn't that bad. Alex Len, we've seen enough to know that he's not that great at basketball. Those two guys are playing most of the center minutes right now. Bruno Fernando played six in this ball game, and the other two guys, Len and Jones, combined to play basically 41, I think, of the other 42. So if of those 41 center minutes that they were playing, half of them now go to John Collins... John Collins is going to play, what, 32, 33 minutes? So that means the other 13, 14, if you want to call it that, at power forward, that leaves 30-something power forward minutes floating around. Do we think Jabari Parker's going to play all of those? No, I mean, he's not even playing all of those right now. But to me, this isn't a situation where everybody else's minutes stay the same and Parker's get wiped out. It's all the way down the list. So, you know, Len loses center minutes, Damian Jones loses center minutes, whatever. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Bembry, those guys probably give up their power forward minutes to Jabari Parker, who in turn gives some of his power forward minutes over to John Collins because of rotations. So I'm not bailing on Jabari Parker in advance of Collins coming back. I think that you ride this thing and see what happens. He could very easily just stay in that 26-minute role, which is enough for him to have top 75 numbers. Usage will take a hit, obviously. That'll be something that we have to work our way through. But I- I'm, not, I'm not bailing on him yet. I think he could stay inside the top 100 pretty easily, even after Collins comes back. Now, what about Kevin Herter as the next name on the list? Uh, Herter coming back from the shoulder injury at a minutes cap of 15 in their last ball game. He had 25 was the minutes cap, and he played 24 of them on Sunday with nine points, 
Two boards, six assists, two steals, a block, and three three-pointers. They basically used him as the backup point guard, as kind of a point forward, when Trey Young was on the bench. I suppose that could continue. They don't really have a traditional backup point guard. It was supposed to be Evan Turner, but he's been on and off the floor with health stuff. You guys know that I'm not a massive Kevin Herter fan. Him coming up with two steals and a block in this ballgame was not exactly part of his usual modus operandi. But the three-pointers are, and if indeed he is their bench point forward, if he can sort of Mr. Magoo his way into three-and-a-half assists a ballgame, that actually changes his valuation pretty considerably. So, while I'm not ultra-high on Herter, we've been down this road before, you know, he's averaging 22 minutes a game, and he's number 211 in 9-cat coming into this one. And obviously, that 15-minute game took a hit, and he played a bunch of games early in the year where he was coming back from another injury. We've only seen him healthy for, like, the, the maybe two-and-a-half basketball games all year. And in those healthy games, he had 17 points, three boards, four assists, and four three-pointers. And one of them, 15, 5, and 2, with three three-pointers in the other. No defensive stats in those two games. So the fact that he had three in this game on Sunday, to me, actually screams outlier. It's just yelling at us, I'm not going to be the case. But if his minutes do rev up to... 25 to 30 and if he is really going to be getting the lion's share of the small forward minutes you could see him get knocking in two and a half three pointers a game and if he is going to be playing that point forward reserve role you could see him getting three assists a game the question is is 12 points three and a half assists and two and a half or three rebounds with minimal defensive stuff and two and a half three pointers is that enough to be a guy you want to roster long-term? I'm going to say yes, because there's just a hair of upside with Herter that doesn't exist with some of the guys on the board right now. You just you take that swing, and you hope that something pans out there. But I'll tell you right now, I'm lower on him than many because of the lack of defensive stats in general, because I don't think that he's going to be gunning away as the third or fourth scorer on this team which is going to keep his volume in check. I think you're going to be looking at more like 8 to 10 shots per game, which is not much for a guy where we need him to hit some three-pointers to have fantasy relevance. But I'm putting him on a team. Uh, I, I picked him up for somebody not all that interesting in one league. I'm trying to remember who the hell it was here as I'm flashing through my various fantasy leagues while, while doing a podcast. Who the hell did I drop? Who was it? Let's figure it out. Uh, it was Ish Smith. Okay, I dropped Ish Smith for Herder because that one was a streamer. He probably only has one or two games of worth left anyway. And so when you're thinking long-term, you say, all right, um, I'll take the guy who, you know, maybe Ish is going to be top 80 for two more games, that type of value. But what if Herder becomes a top 100, top 90 guy for the rest of the season? That's the guy I'd rather have. As another point of reference, I didn't drop Carmelo Anthony. So make of that what you will. I didn't drop Chris Dunn for Kevin Herter. So these are the guys. I didn't drop Kent Bazemore, and obviously we'll get to that uh, as we break down a recent Portland game. <laughs> Big news out of Blazertown. All right, let's rumble along. Charlotte, uh, P.J. Washington had a game to say, Dan, you stupid dick, why would you tell everybody that I'm on the way out? 
I still got something left in the tank, and then he turned an ankle late in the fourth quarter, so hopefully that doesn't turn out to be a thing. But he made 12 out of 13 free throws. Not sustainable. The steal in two blocks is pretty good. He was getting those at the beginning of the season, and then that kind of disappeared lately. Um, 20 points on six shots. Yeah, that's just, it's not going to happen every night. I do appreciate the fact that he's had a couple of better ball games in a row after a sustained bad spell. He's actually been pretty good the last two. But we're talking about a guy that was rolling. He was like top 50 for the first couple weeks of the season, and now he's sitting around 120, 100, 120-ish in that range on the year. Um, I still think he's trending down, but if he's on your team, you can give him a little bit more flexibility. I just, I don't think that there's a consistency factor there. Uh, Miles Bridges played well. Devontae Graham had one of those games where you're like, oh, yeah, 12-6-8, sounds great. 17 shots, 23% from the field. Missed two of his four free throws. Bum, 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 bum. Terry Rozier, 8-5-4, missed most of his shots. These are the ones that you're afraid of a little bit, but they've been able to stay well above the cut line lately. And so you'll, you're obviously going to keep rolling those guys out. I don't want anything to do with the centers on this Charlotte team. I know Zeller was better in this one, but only 21 minutes. By the way, it took me forever to realize this, but uh, Cody Zeller's last name is part of a Dr. Seuss book. Go... Bonus points if you tweet at me which one I'm talking about. Um, Miles Bridges, good to see him play a bunch of minutes and play well. He was doing weird stuff, and, and you kind of have to hold there. Toronto waged a big comeback but came up shy at Philadelphia. Freddie Van Fleet suffered a knee bruise in this ballgame, ended up leaving after 12 minutes, which uh, forced the Raptors to go bigger in sort of an odd twist. I mean, playing the Sixers kind of forced them to go bigger also, but they opted to do it. So there was a lot of Ananobi, Lowry, Serge, Gasol, Siakam lineups going out there today. That was a a hefty lineup for Toronto. Good to see Serge Ibaka see 28 minutes. He obviously won't play that much against smaller teams, but he did foul out of this one. Marc Gasol was blech. But he does a good job on Joel Embiid every damn time they play. He is horrible for fantasy this season, and Gasol remains a guy I've been saying is a drop for a month. Nobody's listening to me, obviously, because he's still 75% owned, but he's been terrible. Uh, but he slowed down Embiid. Philly got enough from the other guys. Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Al Horford all played pretty well. Matisse Thybul had another good ball game, and they're getting to be a little bit more frequent, but they're also without Josh Richardson, and so the whole thing's just going to come apart at the seams. And, as you may recall, he had that great game against Sacramento. He had an okay game against Washington about a week ago. And then in between there, he played nine minutes and had an assist and a block. And that was his entire line. So let's not get too excited. It was a really nice ball game, but let's kind of keep the, the thigh bull stuff in our pants a little bit longer. Uh, good to see OG Ananobi finally bounce back. He's a 3 and D guy. This is sort of P.J. Tucker-esque where every once in a while he just goes nuts offensively. The other stuff is the stuff you want to stick on a night-to-night basis. You're dropping Norman Powell, you're dropping Chris Boucher, you're dropping Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, all of those backups were guys that I mentioned I was out on with Toronto, and this ballgame really seals the deal as Serge Ibaka's minutes are trending up. Miami beat Chicago in overtime. Bulls continue to play a lot better with their current iteration of the lineup. Chris Dunn, 33 minutes of an overtime loss, 16 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 3 steals. I do think he needs to be owned. He would have played more if he didn't foul out. Not a bunch more. He got most of this ballgame in. Larry Markinen continues to play better since they moved Dunn into the starting lineup. Zach Levine had a buttload of turnovers in this game, but otherwise he was fine, I guess. 
And uh, Tomas Sadoransky suffered. He just didn't play as much. We saw more Kobe White. Every once in a while he gets hot, and so then he steals minutes from somebody, and in this one it was Sato. I do like the Chris Dunn thing, though. I'm all aboard the Chris Dunn gravy train here. As long as he's starting, he's going to be getting steals by the bowl full. I mean, goodness gracious. This good stuff. This is good stuff. The steal quantity we're talking about here with Dunn, it's delightful. The steal stuff is delightful. What's he at now? Since he moved into the starting lineup. 2-2-1-3-3? 11 steals in five games? Yeah, I'll take that. It's actually not that much higher than his career than his season mark. But yeah, it's good stuff. If you need steals, he's all over it, man. That's that's a high enough number where that can float his value basically all by itself. Uh, you're sticking with Sadoransky, too. This was a rare down game. He'd actually been playing pretty well. Uh, Bam Adebayo made most of his free throws, also turned it over seven times. That's a big ball game, so you're not going to fight with it too much. Tyler Harrell went nuts in overtime. He scored nine of the Heat's uh, 13. No, he scored 11 of the Heat's 13 points in overtime. He had 16 two three-pointers in regulation, and you're like, okay, that's fine. That's serviceable, and then blammo. Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, I still like Kendrick Nunn more than Tyler Harrell, although we're seeing now with no Justice Winslow and no Goran Dragic, they can both actually have fantasy value. When everybody's healthy, there's sort of nobody. The, okay, let's start from the top with the Miami Heat. We have to go through this team somewhat logically. Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler obviously have fantasy value. Most nights, Kelly Olynyk does too. He went cold in this one. Other guys were taking all the shots, and so he just stayed somewhat quiet. I find him a guy that's somewhat difficult to trust, but overall he's been like right around top 100 for about a month, so that's fine. The upside is, does any big guy get hurt? Because Miami hasn't really missed their big men a ton yet. Like if Myers Leonard goes down, if Bam were to get hurt, that would be big for Olenek. As it stands, he's going to play probably about 25 minutes a game, and he's probably going to be sitting around top 100 numbers. Okay, fine. Duncan Robinson is another interesting name. He had some foul issues in this game, but he did end up with three steals and three three-pointers, and it's minutes trending down with Derek Jones Jr. playing well. He saw 26 minutes in this game. So one more wrinkle to add to the Miami wrinkle fest. The four guys that are all just beating each other up on this team are Harrow, Nunn, Dragic, and Winslow. When all four guys are healthy, I don't think any of them has enough fantasy value to warrant getting on a roster. When one guy is out, I think Kendrick Nunn's the guy that floats inside the top 100. When two are out, each of the other two seems good enough. And that's what we're seeing right now. No Dragic, no Winslow. That means you got Bam, Harrow, Nunn, Butler, and then maybe Olenek and Robinson. Since those guys' roles don't fluctuate as much, who's in and who's out don't seem to have that large of an impact on them. But Duncan Robinson is sitting right outside the top 100 on the season. And over the last month, he's at number 101. Three-point specialist, yes, very much so. But if that's what you need, it's useful. So addition by subtraction happening again in Miami, and that's where we sit after this one. Clippers rolled into Washington and ended up pulling away late uh, despite Davis Bertans. I love watching that guy shoot, man. He has such a fast release for an almost seven-footer. Awesome. 
I know that's not really the story of this game. Troy Brown Jr. got hot in a rare one for Washington. He ended up stealing minutes from Mo Wagner. They went small in this ball game. Played Davis at center because the Clippers are not a particularly tall team. And, you know, ultimately Davis ended up getting steamrolled by Mo Harkless. But, you know, it's a different situation altogether. Um, it, it continues to be the same kind of thing. I, on a night-to-night basis, I would certainly trust Wagner over Troy Brown Jr., who's coming off the bench. Uh, Ish Smith is a streaming option right now while Isaiah Thomas is out. He had issues with the Clippers' length, turned the ball over five times. Bradley Beal had a ton of issues with the Clippers' length. I mean, that it's hard to score if you're particularly a wing, but a wing or a point guard against the Clippers, you're in for an interesting night. The guys that have success against L.A. are the big guys, or bigger. Hachimura at the power forward spot at 17-7-4. Shot the ball poorly in this one. Remember, he had 30 against them last time. Uh, Davis had 25. Jan Mahimi came off the bench and played exceptionally well, but I wouldn't predict that happens anytime again soon. So what does it all mean for Washington? Well, Bertans is an obvious start. He's been great. Troy Brown is a watch list guy. Hachimura is a start while Bryant is out. And frankly, Isaiah Thomas. More stuff to go around for all these guys. Uh, Bradley Beal, yeah, we're not even going to get into him. Mo Wagner is a must-start guy. And then Smith, I think, is a pretty safe stream until we get word that IT's back. For the Clippers, there's nothing, really. Nothing changes. It was just nice to see Kawhi Leonard make most of his shots. His shooting percentage has been difficult. Uh, Nemanja Bjelica. I was watching the Sacramento broadcast. They're, they're calling him Bjelica now. 37-4. and four. He looks like a guy who smells Marvin Bagley coming back and is doing everything he can to keep some minutes. Sacramento just played well. They almost got uh, run up on by Tim Hardaway Jr., mostly by himself in this game. But they held on. Rashawn Holmes, 12-9, good again. Buddy Heald made his shots for once. 26 points, 5 three-pointers on 15 shots. Uh, Harrison Barnes, 13-7-5. Corey Joseph, useless at the point guard spot. Bogdan, 10-3-3. Ariza, 10-5. You're not doing the Ariza thing, and Bogdan was always a pretty obvious sell-high guy when he went on that hot spell. And if or when De'Aaron Fox ever comes back, then things really come apart for Bogdanovich. He's... He had, he had a couple weeks there where he was just going completely bonkers, and he is number 52 over the last month, but over the last two weeks, he's number 231. So it was like top 10, top 250. Not a lot of consistency there. Tim Hardaway Jr. at nine three-pointers in this game. I was talking about him as more of a streaming option. I still feel that's true. He's going to get picked up everywhere, unsurprisingly. Um particularly teams that need three-pointers, but you also have to look back and see, look, he went 4-4-5-1-6. Remember when he got into the starting lineup and just started draining everything? And then he went 0-2-1-1. So he had a total of four three-pointers over his last four games before hitting nine in this one. So it's all over the map. He's going to be that's a guy that's on and off of fantasy rosters like crazy. You're going to see him added everywhere. Mavericks don't play again until the 12th. So they got a long break here. I, I, to me, he's more of a streaming option because you just don't really know when the three balls are going to go crazy like that. And on a game-to-game basis, the Mavericks are a total crapshoot of which guy besides Luka and uh, Porzingis are actually going to be involved in the box score. Take a chance if you want. I'm good with it. You know I had him on a couple of teams. I moved him off. I got him back. I moved him off. It's a whole thing. Um, right now, he's mostly off. Oklahoma City, nice little road win in Portland. The Thunder are playing better as Steven Adams gets healthier, although this one, it was more Nerland's Noel. He was great off the bench. 
Chris Paul, man, he is looking like himself these days. I know the assists were down. Dude, the Thunder had 12 total assists in this ballgame, and they won. Because Portland couldn't shoot to save their lives. But who cares? Chris Paul was good. Another zero turnover game for Paul. This is why you drafted him, by the way. It was not necessarily for the gaudiest numbers on earth. It's because he does it all. He's averaging now, I think, what, like 16.5 points, four boards, six assists, almost two steals, and under two turnovers a game. There is a magical nine-cat quality about this dude. Chris Paul hasn't had a turnover since December 1st. As he's settled in with his teammates now, everything's really come together. Uh, By totals, he's inside the top 20. That can't last. We're like jinxing him as we speak on this podcast. But whatever. Thunder have won a couple now. They're only a few games under 500. They're like a game and a half out of the last playoff spot. I think they might even be closer than that now. Yeah, they're a half game out. (laughs) Anyway, Schroeder, Shea, Chris Paul, Derlins Noel, Steven Adams, Danilo Gallinari. It's the usual uh, assortment. Hassan Whiteside was very good again. Damian Lillard had his shooting issues again. CJ McCollum was solid. And then the guy we were watching, well, we're always watching Carmelo Anthony, and this is why we call him points league only. Four for 18 for Melo. Nine points, eight rebounds, three steals. That has points league written all over it. Because then you don't care that he missed every single shot he took. Who cares that it took him 18 shots to get to nine points? He got you three steals and he got you eight rebounds. There's There's a certain advantage to that. And actually, the three steals are fairly helpful as well if you're dealing with any kind of weird categorical stuff. But as far as 9-cat stuff goes, this makes him a really tough own. It does. I know I said I held on to him, and there will be better nights than this one. But, I mean, listen, he was going up against Gallo for large portions of this game. He should have been able to score. Kent Bazemore played 36 minutes, and that's all I needed to see. Nine points, five boards, two assists, three three-pointers, and a block. I know he shot three for 11 including 0 for 5 in the second half when Portland ended up kind of getting licked a little bit. But the minutes are all you needed to know. The minutes are all you needed to know. Kent Bazemore played 36 minutes. It doesn't matter what his usage rate is on this Portland team. If he's going to play 36 minutes, he will have easy fantasy value. I mean, think about it. Look at two years ago. Remember when he looked really good in Atlanta? He's playing 27 minutes a game with the Hawks as sort of their backup, run-the-offense kind of guy. Sure, the 13 points and 3.5 assists were nice. Does he get up to 10.5 shots with Portland in 35 minutes a game? Probably not. With too many guys in front of him in the pecking order. Does he even get to 9.5? I don't know. Let's call it 8.5 or 9. If he's playing that many minutes, he'll get a few looks. Because they'll spread the floor and he'll fire some three-pointers. His shooting percentage is going to be horrible. It'll be around 40, probably when everything settles down. He's a 70, mid-70s free throw percent guy. So that's not what you have him for. You just hope that the volume doesn't kick in too much. But if he's out there for 30 minutes a game, we've said this before, you're going to trip into four and a half rebounds as a wing. Because Hassan Whiteside is really the only guy on that team that rebounds. He's going to trip into two and change assists. He's going to trip into 10 points, and the best part about Bazemore, and this is where he's not tripping into something, if he's out there for 30 minutes a game, you're looking at 1.5 steals and .7 or .8 blocks a game. You're looking at over two combined defensive stats 
and probably one and a half three pointers. You're probably looking at three and a half to four cash counters from Bays in that amount of time. And anything he does on top of that is just gravy. So I believe he is one of the most important ads of the weekend. I scooped him up so damn fast when Rodney Hood went down. By the way, poor Rodney Hood. We had actually heard his Achilles was sore. He tried to play through it, and he tore the damn thing. I mean, that, oh, what a gut punch for Rodney. What a gut punch for the Blazers. Good Lord. No Nurk for most of the year, maybe all of it. Zach Collins, the shoulder. Now Hood. Three of their starting five are out for probably the season. It's just not their year. Uh, Minnesota, we're keeping an eye on Jarrett Culver, as per usual. There was something that that was sort of cropping up with him. Uh, Jeff Teague was not great. Andrew Wiggins was also not great. He was fine, I guess. The Lakers are a tough team, man. They turn other clubs into pumpkins these days. Um, Anthony Davis, holy smokes, man. Lakers are down a lot of guards right now, so Alex Caruso is actually seeing some pretty good run. I think I'm going to just give up on the JaVale McGee-Dwight Howard thing at this point. If Rajon Rondo misses any more time, you almost have to look at Caruso. He fits in brilliantly with this team. Hell, Danny Green actually should have fantasy value where those guys are out, but I still, it's not enough for me to trust him. So pretty fun Sunday overall, wouldn't you say? Pretty fun Sunday. I talked a lot about those damn games. Let's try to move a little bit quicker here. Uh, New Orleans got blown out in Dallas. The only thing I'm really concerned about with this team, I'm throwing this box score out for the most part, is uh, Derek Favors' get home soon. Derek Favors, they need you, man. They need a big body. They're getting trucked on the glass. 55-34, to they got out-rebounded in this game. He has such an easy role coming his way, and we don't have any idea when Zion's coming back. Could be two weeks, could be six. They're in no rush. Everybody's like, what about Zion? I'm like, yeah, what about him? When he comes back, you think they don't, think they don't play him 35 minutes a game? With that body falling apart already? No way. They're going to go easy on him, and Favors is going to play at least 25 minutes a night. I've got to think. The rebounds are going to dry up for all the other wings on that team, so if you're relying on that, ahem, Josh Hart, ahem, Brandon Ingram, uh, you're going to have to take a little bit off of that because Favors is going to be the big man. Everybody else is very small by comparison. We already talked about Dallas once already. That's my only thought on the New Orleans side. Cleveland is terrible, so luckily we don't have to spend too much time talking about them. Somebody on the team called out their coaching staff already. I mean, can't we look at ourselves in the mirror every once in a while? Yes, it's the coaching staff. No, you suck, man. Your your team is terrible. You drafted score-first point guards, put them next to some big men that actually can distribute a tiny bit and are playing their butts off, and you got nothing. The floor spacing is bad because no one can shoot on this team. They have three guys, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland, that all want to just gun, and none of them is that good at it. Sure, it's the coaching staff's fault. Of course, that's got to be a problem. Uh, I still like Kevin Love going forward. I still like Larry Dance. I still like Tristan Thompson for now, but, I mean, this is a, this is a bad basketball team. Indiana and New York. Miles Turner, 7.6 boards. That sounds not great, but then two steals and five blocks. Hello, nurse. You guys can hate on Miles Turner all you want. I love this dude. He is he is a team changer in Roto. He's number 72, and he's averaging 11 and 5.5 and in the counting stuff. 
He's shooting 43% from the field and 74 at the free throw line, and he's ranked inside the top 75. How do you do that? I'll tell you how. You block two and a half damn shots a game, and you have over three combined defensive stats a night. He's going to be fine. I think he'll actually be better when Oladipo comes back. He actually had a lot of chemistry with Darren Collison, which the one thing that does kind of worry me a little bit. They ran a nice pick and roll last year. Uh, everybody else is the normal thing with Indiana. You're not going to change anybody's valuation. Justin Holiday seems like he's okay until Oladipo comes back. And uh, TJ McConnell was one of my smartest draft picks in a 30-team league that I could have ever accidentally bungled onto. There's a few of those. You have to have those in a 30-team league. Uh, TJ McConnell was one for me. Rashawn Holmes was a late draft pick in that one. I can't believe my team's actually really good in 30 deep this year. I'll brag about that later on. We'll get um, we'll get our buddy Benny Aziz on the show, or we'll have a brew episode, and I'll talk about what a majestic thing my team has turned into here. Go Team Dan Bespris. Go Team Dan Bespris. Uh, New York is actually the more interesting side of this basketball game. Mitchell Robinson played 25 minutes in a non-blowout. He had 14-7, two steals, and three blocks, and his by-low window is about to slam on you. Alfred Payton played 17 very effective minutes off the bench, but Frank Nilakina played 19 as a starter. Dennis Smith Jr. stunk in 12 minutes off the bench. At some point, I feel like they got to give the reins to Alfred Payton. I don't know precisely when that's going to happen, because the coaching staff right now is what everybody's referring to more of as an interim staff. So if you pick up Alfred, you might not be able to start him right out of the shoot. I think there's probably, I mean, you got to figure the cream rises to the top, right? Uh, but you're going to have to squat on him a little bit. Marcus Morris looked good in this one. The only one that just continued to be terrible is Julius Randle. I know he had 16 and 12, and that's great if you're in a points league. But if you're in a counting category league, Six out of 18 from the field and four for six at the free throw line once again made him one of the worst plays on the night. Damn it, Julius. I said it on Twitter and I'll say it here on the podcast without going into a long rant. I'm benching Julius Randle. I'm not dropping him because we know how good he could be, but I'm benching this dude. I can't deal with it. He's sinking my team. Julius Randle is probably costing me two to three roto points by himself at this point. Just by taking him out of my lineup and playing almost anyone else, with marginally decent percentages, I'd almost lose nothing in the rebounding and points departments that he's bringing to the table. And I would gain in the percentages ones. He is addition by subtraction on fantasy right now. You guys should do the same thing. Phoenix lost in Houston. This is a weird game, if only because for Houston, it was really the superstars only, and then red-hot Ben McLemore. They'll be fine. All of the key players in this game played the right number of minutes. P.J. Tucker got his 40 damn minutes He'll be fine. Daniel House played 30. He'll be fine. Ben McLemore's not going to take 15 shots a night. He'll cool off, and when he does, it'll be ugly, and then our guys will roll back into a ton of points again. Uh, Phoenix side, there's really nothing, a whole lot going on there. Um, we're still in kind of countdown mode for Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton. So with Dario Saric playing more of the center minutes, he got his rebounding numbers back up, and that's what's been floating him. But for the most part, you know, you're rolling out Ubre Rubio, Devin Booker right now and then Aiton when he gets back and possibly Baines depending on whether or not they give him 19 to 21 minutes off the bench he could have value in that amount of time won't be a ton but a potentially useful number 
For Memphis, they just got whipped in Utah in this ballgame. It wasn't as close as it looked by the end. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas got into foul trouble early, which stopped his insane recent run. Jared Jackson Jr. continuing to play a little bit better lately. Jay Crowder was fine and just hanging out right on the edge of the cut line. And then in this one, Tyus Jones outplayed DeAnthony Melton. I hate timeshares. I hate it. Damn it. I didn't get any DeAnthony Melton's. He was picked up everywhere before I decided I was willing to buy in on it. So it didn't cost me, but I'm sure a lot of you did get him in less competitive leagues. And then he hit you with this little clunker. At least he had two steals, but geez. Such is the fear of a timeshare. Such is the fear. Someone can always oust the other one. On the Utah side, looks like Joe Ingles might actually have fantasy value while Mike Conley was out. I know that Utah didn't play particularly well in his first chance. That was against the Lakers, but nobody played well against the Lakers in that ballgame. I don't know how long Conley's going to be out. It might be a game, might be three, might be five, but however long that is, I think you can use Ingles. Oklahoma City, Minnesota, the next Golden State, next three games. If Conley misses all those games, you could see Ingles rack up some pretty good numbers this week. Problem is, we don't really know if Conley's coming back now or, you know, one game, two game, three games, whatever. So you're rolling the dice a little bit. Looking back to Friday, we did have a few games, uh, a few teams that didn't play Saturday or Sunday. It wasn't uh, that heavy of a weekend. Detroit didn't play over the weekend, but they remain a fairly predictable fantasy team. Derrick Rose is going to be fine just above the cut line in general. Luke Kennard, fine but trending down. Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. And then Christian Wood is your watch list guy, perpetually. Perpetually. Unless you're in like the unless you're in a deeper league, you don't have to pick him up yet. Orlando beat Cleveland on the road in a game that was frankly too close against a bad Cavs team. Uh, Aaron Gordon went back to Aaron Gordoning. Terrence Ross was actually the guy who got hot in this one. Jonathan Isaac returned to his form with a three-pointer, a steal, and four blocks. DJ Augustine actually played well off the bench, and that, of course, pushed Markel Fultz down the list. This is still an Orlando team that desperately needs Nick Vucevic to come back, but luckily they play in an Eastern Conference that's made up of turds. Top seven in the Eastern Conference are above 500, which you can't necessarily say for the West, uh, but the they're just beating up on each other right now. The Heat are, I think, maybe your big surprise there. But the Magic are in eighth place, two and a half games up on the Pistons. They've got a cushion, and when they get Vooch back, there may actually not be a fight for playoff, the playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. It might actually just be that the top eight teams are figuring out who plays where in the first round. Because the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Wiz, the Bulls, the Hornets, even the Pistons this year, they're just not good. We already talked about Minnesota and Oklahoma City. Who are we missing? Boston? Yeah, but there's nothing to talk about there. The centers are splitting minutes, so that's useless. Golden State we didn't talk about. And for good reason. They're a pain. Uh, I mentioned that on Twitter So if you follow me, you probably got it in the Friday tweet storm. But right now, I'm basically out on almost everything in Golden State. You guys probably have been getting that impression from me to this point. Uh, Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell, they're on a run right now. I've said it before. They're on a run of 10 games in a row where they don't have a back-to-back. So whatever you can get for them at some point during this run, this is your window before they'll have a few. I don't like Alec Burks. I don't like Eric Pascal. 
I don't like Kai Bowman off the bench with D'Angelo Russell in front of him. I do if D'Angelo were ever moved or shut down. I don't like Len Robinson III, despite the fact that he did have a good ballgame on Friday. I don't like Willie Cauley-Stein, and the only guy I was hoping for was Kevon Looney, but it looks like they're just going to sort of inch him into the ballgame to find out how much his body can take before it shuts down. So I'm probably... I, I, you know, I said it after a week, I thought, well, maybe we'll be getting up into the high teens. And for Looney, he didn't even get into the double digits. So that's trending the wrong direction. And I'm willing to move on from Looney as well. So the Warriors are basically get out of business or or going out of business sale at this point. Uh, Bucks played on Friday and not over the weekend, but they're not interesting at all from a fantasy standpoint. The Spurs stole one from the Kings over the weekend Jante Murray got 31 minutes in this overtime affair. Derek White was horrible in 21 minutes, so that back and forth continues. Uh, Jakob Pertl only played 18 minutes. He was good in them, but that's not enough for him to sustain value long-term. So we're back to DeRozan and Aldridge as the safe plays, and we wait to find out what the hell's going on at the point guard spot. If someone drops Murray, you pick him up and hold him. If you have him, you hold him as well. I think you can put Derek White on the waiver wire and just not think about it. And that is, I believe, unless somebody didn't play Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, all 30 teams of our glorious association. Folks, the Bruise Letter's coming out. I'm getting this podcast out first thing on Monday morning before the Bruise Letter. So this is your last chance. If you're listening to this Monday before about 8 a.m. Pacific time, your last chance to get on the mailing list is this moment or you're going to miss Volume 8 of the Bruise Letter. It's coming. Or is it 7? I've lost track of what volume we're on. Go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Or if you just go to hoop-ball.com, there's a little pop tab at the bottom. You can sign up there as well. It'll take you nine seconds to put in your name and email address, and then you're on the list. It's that simple. Aaron Bruski breaking down all 30 teams by email, a spin through the NBA, from one of the best writers in fantasy ever, the great Aaron Bruski. It's free, I should mention. It's completely, totally, and utterly free, and all you got to do is punch in your name and email address, and you're on the newsletter forever. Do it now. Don't miss today's newsletter. It's coming out right now, basically. And if you missed it, and you tell me you missed it because you signed up later in the day on Monday, I'll find a way to get it to you at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Here's what's coming up on Monday night. Clippers are at Indiana on the second half of a back-to-back, so we would assume Kawhi Leonard will rest on this one after a cruising win against the Washington Wizards. So not much to keep an eye on in this ballgame. Cleveland in Boston, who cares? Not I. Oh, I'll tell you who cares. Gordon Hayward cares. He's questionable for this game. I'm starting him immediately, by the way. I am wasting zero time because it was a hand injury, so there shouldn't be any conditioning stuff. There will be rust, so assume that the percentages might not be brilliant right out of the shoot, but he was playing so damn well prior to getting hurt that you kind of have to just throw him into your lineup. You kind of have to. You'll probably take a game or two where he hurts you in percentages, at least from the field. You know, he's a good foul shooter and has been for a while. But he was so good that you're just not going to want to miss the one where it starts to click again. And I I think we're going to see at least high 20s minutes his first game back. Maybe he just gets all the way up to his normal number. And it could be tonight. Toronto on the back-to-back in Chicago. We'll find out uh, what the deal is with Freddie Van Fleet soon enough. But I'm starting the usual suspects. And as I've mentioned, I'm dropping Marcus Gasol. 
Chicago, provided Chris Dunn remains in the starting lineup, he's part of my starting rotation as well. Detroit, New Orleans, let's keep an eye on the Derek Favors thing. Damn, could they use him for this ballgame. Andre Drummond coming at you full tilt. You think Jackson Hayes is going to be able to get in that dude's way? If there's no Drummond, I'd be willing to venture that you'll see a little more Jaleel Okafor, but good Lord, they're all just going to get steamrolled. That'll actually be kind of a teabagging of sorts. Uh, Sacramento is in Houston. I'm, you know, normal affair here. I, I Marvin Bagley was ruled out of Sunday's game relatively early, so I'd be a little surprised to see him in this one, but maybe he comes back. I don't know, but I wouldn't start him his first game back. He'd been gone for a long time. Orlando, Milwaukee, not a whole lot to keep an eye on there. Uh, the usual stuff. Oklahoma City, Utah. This is a very tough ball game for the Thunder. Uh, coming off of their their Sunday evening road win in Portland, they've got to fly up into altitude and deal with Utah. I don't like this one at all. Oklahoma City. This is the kind of game where you might see Chris Paul get hurt. So please know, and I'd be so happy if they just rested him, keep him healthy for the next one. Minnesota on the back-to-back in Phoenix after giving up basically 150 million points to the Lakers. Nothing really all that special with this one unless Aaron Baines plays. And then Memphis Golden State. Well, I'll keep an eye on Memphis's health on a night-to-night basis. Same deal with the Warriors, but I wouldn't expect anything special. That game could be your homework assignment, but at the same time, I don't think I want to do that to you. I think Jonas Valanciunas should play well. Jaron Jackson should play well. I don't know who's going to play well at the point guard spot. They might split it for the Warriors. You know, they'll see this game as a potential win, so maybe you get a better performance out of Draymond and D'Angelo. Ugh, either way. Uh, if I had to assign a homework assignment, I'd, I'd probably give you guys Chicago. They're an interesting team right now, and the better they play and more competitive they play without their usual fare, the more likely it is that they keep this thing the way it is after they get healthy again. Boston, if Gordon Hayward plays, you got to keep an eye on that ball game. Uh, uh, that's it for the homework assignments. I'm not going to give you anything else. It's a decent nine-game Monday. Should be a lot of fun. Let's get this week rolling. Brandon Marcus and I will be with you on the premium show at 11 o'clock on Monday. That's the weekly lineup show. Hope you uh, premium subs will tune in and join us on that one. Sign up for the Bruise Letter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Hit me up if you want to join our team here at HoopBall. And again, coming up this week, Josh Millman, the captain, Brandon, joining us here on the pod. Should be fun to talk to other live, real human beings on Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. If you're enjoying the pod, please drop that five-star review. We'll love you for all time. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.